praise the Lord. Um, but getting excited for only our, our leadership conference, making some preparations here around the property, but certainly just spiritually. And so we're looking forward to that. But um, Colossians chapter 1 this evening, I go back to Colossians chapter 1, I think we were here last week, but Colossians chapter 1, and uh, notice with me a couple of verses here, verse 14, we'll read down to verse 20, hope that um, you have been prayerful, you have been seeking the Lord in regard to uh, the time that we have here, it's um, again just hearing from others who are coming in, they're, they're looking forward to the fellowship, and I know this, that um, it's just been too long. It's been a while since we've had guests from other churches on our property, and so I'm excited about that. And it's been good for, for me, just looking on the other side of it. I've always been a guest of our church over the years, and so just seeing the, the background, all the work put into it, I've got a just, a, again, a, another, um, another perspective, but a, just a great amount of, of respect for your heart to serve others, and, and so we're looking forward to just uh, seeing the Lord work during that time. But Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And I think when you read through the, the Bible, I think some of the most beautiful language that God put in his word and preserved for us and inspired for us really is found in the descriptors of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I particularly love the, the book of Colossians because it comes from the vantage point of not just the body, the church, but there's a great emphasis on the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it ought to be that, you know, the, the things of Christ and, and who he is, that, that ought not to grow cold and grow old to us. There ought to be a sense of majesty about what we read of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what I get as I read through this this week, again, just, just the majesty of Christ. And I think there, there ought not to be any other subject in the scriptures that causes our hearts to stir more than the very essence and subject of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, many times we can look at the, the, the different, different things in the Bible that may be interesting to think about. You know, you could, you could sort of just, just study through and really go word per word, verse by verse, line upon line. And yet central to all of that in our study of the Word of God is just the, the mind of Christ, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that ought not to escape us. The, his majesty ought not to escape our, uh, in our reading. And, and oftentimes, we can get into the different topics and different subjects, and, and certainly all of that is profitable for us, but I think it, it'd be needful at times to just focus in on what the Scriptures are saying about its main protagonist, the Lord Jesus. And... You know, Spurgeon said about 
about the Lord. There are some points in which no one man is all that manhood is. But Jesus was a summary of all manhood. I might also venture to say that he had about him the whole nature of mankind. He says there is nothing um, effeminate in him, and yet all the loveliness which is feminine. Read his life story and see. He was man in the broadest sense of the term, taking up into one the whole genus. Ian Bounds said this about the Lord. Every day we see the majesty and power of God in his creation. This should be the basis of our faith in God and should help us in our prayers. Then God calls us away from what he has done and turns our minds to himself personally. The infinite glory and power of his person are set before us to meditate on. Another one said this, For he, Jesus Christ, was certainly the highest example of one who wished to give everything, asking nothing in return and not caring what creed might happen to be professed by the recipient I am sure that if he were living here now among men, he would bless the lives of many who perhaps have never even heard his name. If only their lives embodied the virtues of which he was a living example on earth, the virtues of loving one's neighbor as oneself and of doing good and charitable works among one's fellow men. And I wonder if you would guess who spoke that. Gandhi spoke that. And what I'm saying is the, 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 the great breath of humanity in, in, all, in all different disciplines and walks of life who have ever thought about Christ with an open mind have re- recognized just his majesty. And you read at times surprisingly how some have, for various reasons, admired the Lord Jesus. You think about all the number of artworks that some have tried to depict all of his glory and majesty, and what we know is this, he is, he is more than all of that. And I just want to remind us this evening of, of who, of just the majesty of our Lord, and we see that here in the, the scriptures that we read tonight, and firstly in verse 15, notice where he, he begins, he reminds us it's through him that we have redemption, in verse 14, the forgiveness of sins, and then in verse 15, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. We notice firstly Christ the incarnate. And not the reincarnate. He didn't come back. He, he was made flesh. And the, he was the image of the invisible God. And, and Jesus is God who came in bodily form. He is the image of the unseen invisible God. And we understand God being a spirit doesn't have a body. And so Jesus became the fulfillment of the Old Old Testament references of of God's hands, God's eyes, God's feet, that was all, in in fact, made to bear, made to be seen in the Lord Jesus. In the Old Testament, it was was man-made in the image of God, and in the New Testament, it's God being born into man's image. And so we know that, that from the very, very outset of his uh, his incarnation and his arrival on, here, on earth, he was given the name Emmanuel and God was to be with us. In John 1.14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as a glory, uh, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And what we find there, he's the image of the invisible God. And image simply means uh, here visible manifestation of something invisible. You know, all the, 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 the God as a spirit right through the Old Testament, all of those, those prophecies of him 
and him coming to earth, that came to be, he was the image of the invisible God. Notice with me Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Quickly turn there with me tonight. Hebrews chapter 1, look at verses 1 to 3. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now notice verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. But notice that he is the express image of his person. And this means that Jesus is not just the likeness of God. He is the very expression of God. He is God. And let's not forget about that. You know, whilst we have, uh, we have understood that there, there is a great, uh, a great uh, respect at times of the Lord and even a, a great wonderment of who He is and what He's about, there is a side of humanity that, that has blasphemed Him and has used Him as a curse word and and yet what we find, he's not just a character in history that made a difference. He's not just a good teacher. No, no. He is God incarnate. He came and he is the express image of his person. He is God. And yet what we find, in, again, about the Lord who is the image of the invisible God, and notice it's the firstborn of every creature. The firstborn is given the highest priority of position. When you think about it again in, in God's mind as he set about the, just the, the way society would be structured in, uh, in his nation, we understand the whole thing of the firstborn. just seemed to be the firstborn had significance in God's mind. And, and it's because of this, there's a type of Christ in that word, firstborn. He says he's the firstborn of every creature. It means he's, the, he's above all men. He's the greatest model of humanity. Look at uh, Psalm chapter 89. Look at Psalm chapter 89. And notice verse, verse 26 there with me. It says, He shall cry unto me, Thou art my Father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Notice this, also I will make him my firstborn higher than the kings of the earth. And in fact, we later on, we see that upon his return, he's the king of kings, the Lord of lords, right? And so this, again, referring to the Lord Jesus, I'm going to make him my firstborn. It says, my mercy will I keep for him forevermore, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. And so there's that idea then, again, that he is the firstborn, and he is the, above all men. He's the greatest model of humanity, and Again, just the whole concept of that is borne out often uh, in, in the way that the, the, the firstborn was referred to in the Old Testament. In Genesis 49, verse 3, let me just read that for you. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. And, and so he's the, who the, the firstborn one. He was the rightful heir. In fact, what the, the inference there is that he was the pride of the family. And so, you know, I, I read that and I, I would agree, I'm the firstborn, right? Any other firstborns here? All right? Be a witness there, all right? But I'm just saying that, that the, the mindset of God for the firstborn was they, they, they were to be the pride of the family. 
And so referring then to the Lord Jesus as the firstborn, he's the pride of the family. He is the ultimate. And all creation is Jesus' rightful inheritance. And all of it, all of it will one day bow down to him. And so when we see Jesus, God as the incarnate, that's what we're referring to. And we know that, that he's worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. And Jesus came in Matthew 28 and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He is God incarnate. And God, who is all-powerful and all-knowing and ever-present, He chose to be born in flesh to make a way, it was just this, to a way for sinful man to be saved. And man has to believe that Jesus is God incarnate in order to be saved. Right, 1 John 4.15, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And so we see in that this, this wonderful chapter here in Colossians chapter 1, just a, a great reminder of the majesty of, of, of Christ. Why? Because he was the incarnate one. But then notice also that Christ was also the creator. In verse 16, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. And just in case we weren't sure, visible and invisible. So things we see, things we don't see. He, he was a creator. For by him were all things created. And so when we view this world, this afternoon I walked out there, it was, uh, the, the, the sky was just, a, just this unusual color, wasn't it? If you're, you're outside around a sunset, you saw that, that, those reds and oranges that, honestly, I just... Never seen it that way, but how many times can we say, say that about the end of the day? How many times is God in His creation just witness of His glory and of His majesty and, and we're perplexed by all of that, but it was Him that created it? In fact, he, He's so creative, He just spoke it into existence. Right? That, that whole thing of what the universe is, is just one word. That's what that word means, universe. And God spoke it into existence and it wasn't like He had to put effort into like we do at times, you ever try to paint something? Now, I'm not a great painter, I'm not a great drawer, but one time I did try to attempt color by numbers, all right? Anyone else? And that just took way too long, so I gave up. But you imagine God didn't even have the, he just, he, he thought, he spoke it, and it happened. He created it. And Jesus Christ, he was the part of the Godhead responsible for creation in John 1 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Look at Proverbs chapter 8, really quickly. And a great chapter there, really wisdom personified. And we see in verse 22, it says, The Lord possessed me in the beginning of his way before his works of old. I was set up from everlasting from the beginning, or ever the earth was. So make no doubt about it, this wasn't speaking about anyone else, this was speaking about the Lord. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains brought, uh, abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills was I brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth, nor the fields, nor the highest part of the dust of the world. When he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he set a compass upon the face of the depth. When he established the clouds above. When he strengthened the fountains of the deep. When he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandments when he appointed the foundations of the earth. Then I was by him as one brought up with him and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part of the earth. 
and my delights were with the sons of men. Yeah, I love that last bit, my delights were with the sons of men. And his mindset as the creator, he delighted in his creation, he delighted in, in, the, in, in man and in how he made him to be perfect and how he made him to be of uh, one that would fellowship, how he in his whole heart for mankind gave him a help meet for him and gave him a companion and Eve and all of that. He, he, he prepared the garden for man. Why? Because God delighted in his creation. And all creation in Psalm 139, he, he says about, David says, I, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The heavens declare the glory of God. And so all His majesty, He was the Creator. But then, lastly tonight, we see Christ the preeminent. You know, go back to Colossians chapter 1, and the great thing about our God is that He is one that needs to have the preeminence. And we see there in verse 17, and He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church. And so we see that, that um, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, again, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And so Christ, the preeminent, not only was he the, the incarnate one, the creator, but he is the preeminent one. And in the beginning, God. Right? He was before all things. He existed in eternity past and he exists in eternity future. He said in John 8, 58, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And so it speaks again of, of his preeminence. And what we find is this, his preeminence is the thing that holds everything together. See, by him all things consist. That word consist means to be, to exist, to be supported and maintained. We read it earlier in Hebrews 1.3, who being the brightness of his glory the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. Again, because he spoke it, it was perfectly done. We understand that if, if the sun or the earth moved axis, the earth moved axis one degree, right, we'd all be destroyed. How perfectly in sync is just our solar system? Why? Because of the word of his power. Because he's preeminent, then he holds it all together. In Acts 17, 28, For in Him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we all are also His offspring. In Isaiah 44, 6, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. And ultimately His preeminence means that there's no other one like Him. There's no opposite to God. There's no comparison. There's no one on the same level. There's no one, not even close. And it's because he's preeminent. But certainly, though, Jesus must be especially preeminent in his church. We see that in verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church. And, by all, and in, that in all things he might have the preeminence. And what we find in his descriptor there, that he's the head, that means he's the conductor, he's the legislator. Listen, I, I, I have been given the office of the pastor, but... This is our church, but it's more his church. He is the head. He is the one that we ought to seek for in his mind. He is the one that we ought to exalt. He is the one that when we sing and we give praise, that he's the one in our thoughts. And when we come about and, and we might see good things that God does, then all the praise belongs to him because he's the one that led it anyway. 
But then we see he's also the beginner, that, the beginning, right? He's the originator. He's the founder, right? He's the author and finisher of our faith. And again, he's the firstborn. He's the one with the highest position. He's the model. And so we see that he ought to be preeminent in the church. And then lastly, really quickly, we see Christ the propitiation. Because in verses 19 to 20, he reminds us that even though all the fullness of the God had dwelled in him, he laid down his life and he was, he was the one that made peace. You know, the joy for us as believers is that all of that is true of Christ. And yet in all of the truth of that, he still willingly laid down his life for us. Let's not, let's not, let's not forget that. You know, that ought to be the first thing that we thank God for each morning is that we're saved. And that he willingly was a, he was a willing sacrifice. And even though he's above all, all the fullness of, of, of the God had dwelled in Christ, it was his sacrifice that pleased the Father most. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell and having made peace. He made peace. Okay, propitiation is the act of appeasing wrath and, and, and conciliating in the, the favor of an offended person. And we understand that sin offended God. We were at enmity with God. And, and there was no way to overcome that except for the fact that Jesus, who is God, willingly laid down his life for us. And ultimately, as the rightful heir to all creation, everything is given back to him and he reigns forever. But he was the one that made peace. And we have peace with the Father because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he was a perfect sacrifice. He was a peace offering that, that the Father was pleased with. And so tonight, um, may it not be lost on us, the majesty of the Lord. You know, each day we ought to be thankful. Each, each day when we marvel at creation, each day when this world continues to be, it's all just a... a pointing to this fact that he is majesty god is god is overall he in, in him all things consist and i'm glad for that tonight all right let's pray father again thank you pray that you'd help us lord to just give you the praise that you deserve lord you're worthy father we too often too often lose sight of the fact that you are you are our god who Lord, just reigns and is above all. So help us, dear Lord, to look to you, Lord, even as we sometimes, Lord, struggle through life. I pray that you'd help us to just keep our eyes on you. I pray that you'd help us, Lord. Uh, we do commit to you the time of prayer even now in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name.